I wanna say welcome and glad you're here and, and I'm excited that you're here with us, uh, for, at least for this series to, to walk through some of these big um, critiques and criticism. We're in a series we're starting today calling Criticizing Christianity where we're, we're criticizing ourselves. We're saying, all right, what are the major critiques, the major issues, the objections that people have with faith, with Christianity, and, and let's talk about them. And, and, and today we're talking about, well, the Bible just isn't, it just isn't reliable. It just isn't trustworthy. Listen, this, this book, this book, which, I mean, maybe you have a book, maybe here, maybe at home, it's, it's well over 2,000 years old. And I'm supposed to like take this book seriously? Um, raise your hand if you, if, you, uh, if you read any other book regularly that's over 2,000 years old. Any, anyone? Anyone? Well, so why should we listen to this one? Like what's, what makes this so different? So we're gonna look at, at that this morning. Um, you, um, you know, the Bible, before we get into it though, um, uh, I have a book here. This, this is a shameless plug. It's not, I, I don't get any like kickback for this. This is just, it, it's such a good book. This is written by a guy named Tim Keller. He's a pastor in New York, an author, and he's, and he's uh, uh, just a, a, a great Christian thinker. And he wrote a book is, uh, a little while ago now called The Reason for God. It's Phenomenal. If you're going to read a book, if, if maybe you're like New, your New Year's resolution was, I'm going to read one book this year. This is it. If you haven't read this, I'll even buy you a copy. If you're like, hey, I just, I just, I just, I don't know where to get it. I will personally, I've, I've given out so many of these. I had to, I had to steal this one because I gave my copy away. So um, uh, uh, I said steal. I don't steal. Never mind. I'm borrowing. I will return when I'm done. But this, this book is that good. So if you are interested in this stuff and any, any tackles, a bunch of the, the objections and, and critiques of Christianity. And, and, and he has a chapter on the Bible in it. So you can, if you wanna know more and learn more and kind of just continue to, to read and, and, uh, and grow in your understanding, this is a phenomenal kind of get started here resource. So uh, anybody want this one? It's not mine. So I, I don't think they'll miss it. If I probably, yeah, I see it, but I see those hands. Uh, good, all right, maybe later. Um, it's actually Andy's. He doesn't even know I took it. Andy, sorry about that. Um, so you know what, you, you do want it? <laughs> uh, so we're talking about the Bible. The Bible, I don't know if you know this. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. The Bible is the most selling, the best selling book of all time. Do you know that? And partly because, well, it's got 2,000 years to rack up sales. So that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty, that's, that makes it easy. That, that's helpful. But also here's the, the even more interesting is year after year, every year it's the, it's the top selling book year after year. I mean, it's almost like, it's not even a contest. It's not even like a, well, I wonder what book is gonna be the, the top seller this year. Oh, yeah, what, what do you know? Again, it's the Bible. Okay, so it's a, it's, uh, it's a book that people know and it's clearly, it's clearly got some good sales. A lot of people own it and every year millions of copies sold. Okay, all right, so what? So what? Do book sales mean that this thing is true? Well, no. I mean, it means that it's, it's popular and that it's, it's well-read or at least, you know, people own it. I don't, maybe they read it, maybe they don't, but like, all right, but they at least like, they, they want to and they own a copy. All right. But what does that, does that tell us? Does that tell us anything that, that has to do with his reliability? All right, so, so what? The question we're gonna look at this morning is, is it, is this, is it accurate or reliable? And how can we even know if it is? Again, like we said, it's, it's 2,000 years old. Like the New Testament is 2,000 years old. The Old Testament is even older. How can we be sure that anything in it 
is trustworthy. I've, I've talked with people who have said, I get you like to read it, Brandon, but it's, it's 2,000 years old. Why should I trust anything it says? And that's a fair question, and it's one that deserves a good answer. And, and let me step on some toes here. Um, a good answer is not, well, it's the word of God. Okay, what else? No, no, no. That's all I need. It's good enough for me. Well, that may be true, but that's not an answer to the question, is this trustworthy or reliable or, or accurate? Just because you said it's the word of God and, and it very well may be, but prove it to me. Show me. You, just, you can't just say it. You got, all right, back up your claim. This is the word of God. Agree or disagree? Oh, I agree. All right, show me. This morning, I hope to at least crack open this study for you so you can get a little bit of the like, show me. All right. Oh, okay. I see now. I at least understand even just like, just, just scratching the surface as to the, the trustworthiness of this Bible. So let's start by asking a question. It's, it's, it's a preliminary question. It doesn't help us at all with regard to how reliable it is, but it, it's, a, it's a place we got to start. Uh, what does the Bible say about itself? What does the Bible say about itself? Is it, is it claiming things that, that we don't claim or are we claiming things about it that it doesn't claim to be true? Are we, are we assigning meaning or, um, or, um, or truth claims to it that it doesn't even claim? What does the Bible say about itself? How does it view itself? We'll read through just, just a few scriptures that talk about, like the Bible talking about the Bible. And, and, then, and then we'll, we'll kind of, um, we'll kind of jump out almost a little bit. Like, like it's, today's gonna be a little different because we're gonna look at what the Bible says and then we're gonna jump out and critique the Bible, but we aren't gonna use the Bible to do that. So let's start by saying, let's look at what it says about itself. Perhaps one of the most well-known verses about the Bible, talking about the Bible is 2 Timothy 3.16. It says this, all scripture is this is a, uh, an incredible statement. Is God breathed? All scripture is God breathed. And here's what it's good for. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The, the Bible says that scripture, the Bible, is God breathed, that, that God actually, it's not just people writing stuff down, that God actually like breathes into this and inspires the writers to write down what they did and that God has a hand in this. Okay, the Bible makes a, a that's a pretty bold claim. I hope it can back it up, but that's a bold claim. Just because it says it doesn't mean it's true. We're gonna look at a number of verses here and, and none of these prove, none of these prove anything about the Bible other than what the Bible claims about itself. It, it's kind of like, um, um, uh, it's kind of like if you uh, were talking to someone of another faith and, and you're saying like, all right, why, do, why should I, uh, you know, you have a holy book. Um, why should I listen to your book? Well, whatever the religion is, whether it's, you know, Mormonism, uh, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or, or Islam. All right, why should we, you know, the Book of Mormon? Why should I listen to the Book of Mormon? All right, well, let me quote the Book of Mormon to show you just how important the Book of Mormon, why you should believe it. Well, hold on. All right, to prove, uh, to prove that the Quran is the, is the word of Allah, I'm gonna quote from the Quran. Well, hold on. 
You don't, you don't get to do that. You can't quote the book to prove the book. So, so what we're doing right now is we're not proving anything other than here's what the Bible says about itself. And then we're gonna, we're gonna investigate these claims. Second Peter chapter one says this, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So Peter says, listen, the scriptures didn't write themselves. Men wrote them, but, but God influenced them and he did so through the Holy Spirit. He used the Holy Spirit to inspire and, and, um, and, and, uh, and originate what they wrote down. This wasn't something that they made up, but it began its origin from God himself that he spoke. Now, again, we still don't know if it's true, but we know that it's making a claim about itself. First Thessalonians, Paul writes this, and we, thank God, we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. The reason we call this the word of God is because it calls itself the word of God. And it says, this isn't human words. This is God's word. And it actually works in the life of the believer. We'll look at one more and then we'll, and then we'll get into to investigating here. In Hebrews, it says this, chapter four, it gives us sort of like the, the, the effect of what it can do. It says this, the word of God is, a, is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Bible is, according to itself, more than ink on a page, but it's actually active and alive and it works to like get inside your life and, 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 and can and like judge thoughts and attitudes. Like, like this is something that reveals stuff about us. It's not just something we read to like, well, that's a fun story. That's a cool, oh, I didn't know that. Wow, that, you know, that'll make a good children's book one day. It's so much more than that. The Bible is, 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 is not just a history. Like you don't treat it like a history book, though there's a lot of history in it and you can look at it and say, is this accurate or not? And it's not just, it's not just a collection of, of poems or like beautiful prose, but, but it's in there. There's a lot of poetry in it and it is it has beautiful writing, but it's so much more than that. And it's not, it's not just a theology book. Though there's a lot of theology in it. A lot of theology. And you could just study theology in this. And, but it's so much more than even just that. It actually, it actually works to change you. Like this thing becomes alive. And if you have any interaction with it, if you've, if you've like really jumped in and said like, all right, Lord, I want you to speak to me. You've experienced moments where you're like, whoa, wait a minute. As you're reading, it's like, it's like you're reading this and, and I've had people go, I, I felt it. Like I'm reading and it was like, God, like he knew exactly what I'm going through in my life. It's like, he wrote that for me. It's like, those verses are for me right now. It's like, it's like crazy how accurate that is to what I'm experiencing right now. And then you realize, man, he wrote that 2000 years ago. And it's still, it's still moving and working in our lives. So how do we know that the Bible really is from God? All right. It claims to be. Christians claim it is. How do we know? And again, it's not just leap of faith. Well, I choose 
to believe. Well, that's, you could say that about anything. I choose to believe it, but give me the proof. There's gotta be some kind of evidence. Now, here we go. We've got two options. Option one, the Bible is just ideas about God written by people. That this, this is a collection of books because the Bible is really not a book. I mean, it is because it's bound together. It's really a library. It's 66 books, um, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament, written by 40 different authors over 1,500 years and three different languages. And it's like, okay, no one person wrote this, but it, all right, fine. It's a collection of people who just wrote down their thoughts about God and, and, they, and they wrote it to us. They wrote it, they wrote it down and then we read it. That's option A. And it might have errors. It might have been changed and, and it might not be exactly like what happened. Some of it's embellished and, and they kind of, uh, you know, they, they kind of make the story more grand than maybe it originally was. And, and, and maybe they added a few stories like later as, as time went on, as centuries go by. But like in the end, these are just people writing down like their thoughts about God and we read it. Or option two, you get to the point where you say, no, 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 this isn't, this isn't ideas about God. This is the word of God, like it says, and it's given to us. It's not written down, it's given down. And that God actually speaks through the people who write this down and inspires them and, and that they were moved by the Holy Spirit to write down exactly what God wanted them to and, and we have it. Those are your two options. So let's look at this. We're gonna look at some of the, um, uh, the most common critiques and, and really we're gonna look at three and they're the three that probably come up that most often and probably maybe even in this order, if you had a conversation with anyone, a, a you know, family member, coworker, neighbor, friend, and, 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 they're just, and they're asking questions about the Bible because they just probably think it's weird. You, you like, I don't know if you've ever told someone that you read the Bible or they found out um, and if they aren't like a, a, like a Christian or a follower or religious at all, you're weird. Seriously, you're like, you are a weird person to read a 2000 year old book. And, and some of those people will even ask like, all right, I got questions. I got issues. Here's the first one. The stories about Jesus, this is their critique, were made up by people centuries later. All right. Listen, how can we trust anything that is in here? Because this is just a bunch of people writing about like this man and starting a religion. And they did so long after the fact. And it just kind of changed over time. This is usually one of the first reasons given against the reliability of the Bible that it was just simply made up. That the stories are written long after the time of Jesus and have been changed to make him someone he really wasn't, but they make him some, you know, incredibly um, wonderful miracle worker, son of God, but, but he was none of those things. Okay, first response, ready? How do you respond to this? First response. The timing of these gospels, the timing is far too early for the gospels to be legends, to be just made up. That, that's true. This critique is only true if what we have is hundreds of years later, but we don't see that. The gospels were written only 40 to 60 years after the death of Jesus. Now that, that seems like a, quite a bit of time. And it is until you, we're gonna look at the rest of like uh, of, uh, of ancient documents and, and compare and contrast. And, and, and you'll see that that is actually not much time at all. And it's, and it's within the lifetime of those there that they wrote the gospels within their lifetime of those who saw and knew and experienced 
Jesus. They, like, it, wasn't, it wasn't hundreds of years later, like generations later. It was, hey, I'm writing this down. And there's still people alive who saw it. Paul, in his epistles, some of the letters he wrote were written uh, only between 15 and 25 years after Jesus' death. There were still numerous eyewitnesses where you could go to and be like, all right, Paul said this, what really happened? Well, let me tell you, they're still alive. Um, if, you, uh, if you were gonna do this, if we were gonna do this about you, right? I, I, I'm, I, you know, you, I'm, you're all wonderful. You look wonderful, by the way. Well, well done, you, you did it, you, good job. You look amazing. In fact, you look so good and your life is so incredible. We would like to start a religion around you. You are that incredible of a person. And, and, and so what we're gonna do, you leave the details to us. You let us handle like how this is gonna work. And the only way this is gonna work is that we're gonna write stories about you. But we're gonna have to wait a little while because we can't let anyone who know you, we can't write it while they're alive. You know, right? Because whatever we write, they'll be able to refute. And so it's, if we're gonna do this, if you're gonna make a, up a story, you're gonna have to write this at least a generation, probably two. So like the next generation and their kids are gone and they've died and they can't say this didn't happen. But that's not the case here. If they're gonna make up stories about Jesus' death within 15 to 25 to 60 years, there's people there that are, hell no, that's not what happened. If it didn't happen like this, wait a minute, what? That's not how it went. But we don't see that. Instead, what we see is people say, no, that's exactly how it went. Like we investigated. This is, this is what happened. Luke, he starts his gospel uh, in chapter one, um, in, in verse one, and he starts it by, by talking about his process to investigate. Luke, I don't know if you know this, he was a physician, he was a doctor. And he was also a historian. Luke, Luke was an intellectual and he was a, you gotta prove it to me guy. All right. Listen, I'm an evidence guy. I'm a science guy. I need to know. And here's how he starts Luke chapter one. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Like many have, many have sought to write up about this Jesus guy and, and all the stuff that happened. Just as they were handed down to us by those who were the first eyewitnesses and the servants of the word. Luke wasn't there firsthand, but but, uh, but he got a lot of his info and, and, uh, and, um, with regard to what happened from Peter. And he, had, when he was heavily influenced also by Matthew. And, and, and so he knows the guys that were there and he's like doing this investigation. He says, with this in mind, since I myself, this is great, have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Luke starts by saying, hey, I did the homework. I talked to the people. I investigated carefully and I'm gonna write an orderly, a, a, a sophisticated and a, and a factual account. And we have the gospel of Luke. And then he writes also Acts to say, this is what happened. And I've talked to all the people and you can go talk to the people. This is what happened. These aren't legends made up centuries later. These are guys who were, who were there and talked to the people. We see this. There are also too many details in the gospels for them to be legends. If we're gonna make up a, a religion around you, a legend around you, we're not gonna include things that people can refute, right? That they can prove like, no, that's not true. That's not how it went. We're gonna, we're gonna create like some, some really cool stories about you. Um, in fact, in fact, I don't know, you know, you, your life was so amazing. We're gonna, um, uh, people need to know that, that you were born of a virgin. 
It's rare. It's really rare. But it happened for you. But that's not entirely how, no, 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 don't worry. You leave it up to us. We'll take care of all the details. Don't worry. And then also, do you remember this? Do you remember all the miracles you did? Well, well no, not really. No, 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 you did. You're just misremember. Don't worry. We'll take care of it. We'll take care of the story. You just live your life. We got it. And do you remember when you died and then rose again? No, I didn't. That didn't happen at all. Oh, just wait. It will. <laughs> And, and you want to create things that are like these incredible stories. You're going to create an entire religion around. You know what? Hey, we're not going to do the details. We're not going to do the stuff that people can disprove. But instead, what we see in the gospel is a lot of detail. And in fact, so much detail. It's, an, it's not like this grand story of like, well, there, well, you know, once upon a time, you know, in a galaxy far, far away. And you're like, okay, clearly this is not accurate. Instead, it's more like, um, it's more like, uh, it's more like those friends of yours who when they tell a story, they can't even start the story without getting all the details right. Like, you know these people, maybe you are this person where, where you're, you're telling a story and instead of just getting to the story, you're like, hey, do you remember back? So it was last August. Wait, hold on, it was September. Is it September 3rd or 4th? Honey, honey, what, when was the day that I, I went to the store and then I forgot the thing? And you're like, just tell me the story, dude. And be like, the details are important, right? So they're like, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. It was, it was September 2nd. Okay, so on September 2nd, and you're going, oh man, this is gonna be a long story because, because they're just full of details and you know, okay, this really happened. I'm not questioning this guy. Like they, they got every detail figured out. All right, in the gospels, we see this. No reason it's there. Jesus in, Ma in Mark chapter four, they say he's sleeping on a cushion in the stern of the boat. Just say he's in a boat. He's in the boat. No, no, no. But he wasn't just in the boat. He was on a cushion. In fact, he was sleeping, the punk, right? He left us alone. And he was, and, and like, why write that in there? You know why? Because it happened. So we're gonna write it down. We're gonna write down what happened. Um, in, John, in John 21, this is great. Uh, uh, Peter sees Jesus, the resurrected Lord. And it says this, Peter, Peter was uh, about a hundred yards from shore. Why is it in there? No reason other than, he was 100 yards from shore. They couldn't say football field because football didn't exist. Unfortunately, it didn't exist yet. And so they just like, it's about, you know, about 100 yards. Like, what does it matter? Just say he ran to the shore. No, no, no. The details matter. And then it says this. He later caught fish. And then he even says, and he caught 153 fish. You know, about. What do you mean about? That's a very specific number. Hey, John, how many fish did we catch? Uh, we counted 153. Put it in there. That's what we got. That's because that's what happened. We see this. Um, uh, this happens only one time in scripture in John chapter eight. And we don't even know what, what it was, uh, just that he did it. We see that uh, Jesus doodled in the sand. Do you know that? It says that Jesus stooped down and began writing stuff in the sand. What did he write? We have no idea. Didn't, didn't say. Why include that? Because it happened. It's not some grand mystery or some myth or some legend. It's like, no, 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 I remember. I remember he got down. I remember very vividly because he got down and he started writing stuff. And then, and, then, and then the details matter and they write down the details. There are far too many for these to just simply be made up because you could go to any one of these and be like, all right, how many fish did you catch, right? If you want to catch, just say you caught fish. How many did you catch? I don't know, two. Now that one, that one's hard to believe because we know we can't trust fishermen right? You can't trust their stories. <laughs> and 
But they wrote down, really, it was 153. We see this, the, 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 the details are far too counter, counterproductive for the gospels to be legends. That not only do they have details, but they have details that are to their detriment. That the details that they write actually like demean them. It actually makes them look worse. If you're gonna create a story, we're gonna create a story about you or about your friends or about your experience. We're gonna make, and we're gonna make you guys the heroes to start this religion. Oh man, it's gonna be, the stuff you guys did, you don't remember, but the stuff you did is incredible. That's not what they write down. What they write down is all the stuff that make them look bad, make their hero, Jesus, their rabbi. They wrote down the stuff to make him look bad. They wrote down that Jesus, he actually, he's asking God if he can get out of his mission. If you remember in Gethsemane, the night before the crucifixion, he's saying, God, if, 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 if there's any way possible, if you can have this cup pass, I would, I would appreciate it. But not as I will, as you will, whatever you want. I'll do what you want. But if it's possible, why would you write that about this guy starting a religion who's it's predicated on him dying on the cross and he's saying, hey, is there any way out of this? Any other option, Lord? That doesn't make him sound very strong and heroic. We see Jesus dying on the cross. First of all, if you're gonna start a religion, don't kill the guy that's supposed to start it. <laughs> Jesus dying on the cross ended it all right there. Like the disciples dispersed, like he died. Why, why would you make this story? Why would you do that? This, this miracle worker you kill after just three short years? Why would you do that? Unless that's what happened. We see Jesus crying out that God has abandoned him on the cross. All right, this is your moment to shine. Be heroic, be brave. And he says, why have you forsaken me? And you're like, why is this guy crying? What? This is the hero that's supposed to start the largest religion on the world. And he's, he's like questioning why God has abandoned him. What? That's, you don't write that. Um, they write this, uh, and this doesn't sound like that big of a deal for us, but in the first century, this is like, this is scandalous. Um, the first people to see the resurrected Jesus and talk about it were all women. Now, listen, don't, I hope, please don't take offense to this. The, the, like, I, like, of course, women are allowed, can see just like men, and there's no difference. Like, a woman can do anything a man can do, right? Yeah. And, you like, but, but, but listen, in the first century, that was not the case. Women couldn't testify in court. You had, to, you had to have the husband help. Couldn't own property. Nope, all, it was all through the mail. It was very male dominated. And so for them to write, like if you're making this story up, it would not even cross your mind to be like, you know who the first people should see Jesus? All the women who no one will ever believe or trust. The ones who literally can't testify in court, go have them start this whole thing. You wouldn't write that. It would be you showing up. In fact, instead what we see is these women go and then they experience Jesus and they come back to the disciples and the disciples are like, nah, we don't believe. And it literally says in the Bible that they believe that these, these women's words were nonsense. They wrote in there that hey, we didn't believe these ladies, like, right? Because they're women. So we shouldn't believe them, right? First century. Why would you make this story up? Unless, ready? Unless that's what happened. That's, that's what happened. We wrote it down because, listen, we're not making this up. If we're making this up, it would have been us there. We'd be the heroes, but it wasn't. It was the women. Yet again, the women are better than men. And they, like, they're the heroes. Oh, for whatever reason, the Lord chose women to have them comfort, probably because he knew, like, they would actually get it right. Like, these, the guys are like, man, they're good for nothing. They're out hiding. Like, I need some good women who can get this thing started. We see this, Peter, the first leader of the church, 
the guy, the guy who's gonna start the whole thing, right? Arguably the most influential of the apostles who then, like the original 12 disciples who then starts the church. And all right, that guy, we see he denies Jesus three times. How would you write that if you're making this all up? Why would you? You're the guy starting it all. And you're like, hey, you know what? You know what would be really cool is, is to show me giving in to this teenage girl that she outwitted me, right? That would be really, really cool for the story. No, you wouldn't write that, that this girl shows up and says like, hey, aren't you one of them? No, no, that wasn't me. It was somebody else. I don't even know this man. Why would you write that? You denied him three times unless that's what happened. Hey, write it down. I imagine as they're going through this and, and, and Luke's probably talking with Peter, like, all right, Peter, what happened? He goes, here's the deal. I'm not proud of this, but I denied him three times. And he's, he's doing this knowing people are gonna read about this. People are gonna know I did this for eternity, for the, for the forever, forever. You and I know Peter denied Jesus three times because he's like, make sure you put that in there. It's gonna make me look bad literally forever. But it happened, put it in there. The details are counterproductive to, to someone making up a story. Now, second critique. How do you know the Bible today is what they wrote thousands of years ago? All right, fine. So they wrote some stuff down and, and maybe it's accurate and maybe it's not. But, but listen, just like the game of telephone, the Bible translation, like when you translate a translation and a translation and a translation, by the time you get to the end, over 2,000 years, how can we at all trust that what we, what we ended with is what we started with. You could do this, um, you could do this uh, when you go home. Try this out. Go to Google Translate and just type something up, right? Just type, type about your day. You know, type how, how you know, wonderful the church service was, how amazing the pastor is, and, you know, and, and just how you would love to take him out to lunch. Whatever, type whatever you want, okay? Whatever you want. And then translate it. Translate it to Spanish. And then translate it to French. And then translate it to Mandarin and then, and then translate it back to English and just see, just see if it, it is at all resembles what you first wrote, right? I mean, you'll probably laugh at like, wow, this is, this is really, really off. And that's the critique, right? That's, so listen, you have this. How could this possibly be that accurate? The, the answer is, we'll answer this a few ways, but it's, it's really simple, really quick and easy. This, this has not been translated. This is not a translation of a translation of a translation. The Bible has been translated one time. That's it. One time. Whatever the language is, it's been translated once. So it was written in the Old Testament in Hebrew, a little Aramaic, and the New Testament in Greek. And the translation is from that to English, or from that to Spanish, or from that to French. That's it. So to say like it, 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 the, the translation changes over time, no, 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 you don't understand. It's one translation. And we, we have the original language. Like we, we know what it says in the Greek. We have the original and we have the translation. We can compare them. You can go do this on your own. There's no like hidden magic tricks here. It's like, here it is. Go tell us, tell us what's wrong. Tell us what we're missing. Here's what we see too. Not only is it just one translation, so this whole like telephone game, it just it, honestly, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't apply. It just really isn't this, how this is, works. Um, we see that this, the New Testament is the most well-attested document in ancient history. This, this is crazy. And, and, it, and regardless of who you are, the most critical, like, like um, uh, critic of scripture, and you're like, you know, this, I'm just, I can't believe it. I, it's not right. It doesn't matter how critical of a scholar you are, you concede this point because there's no other option. 
All right, fine. Yes, we will give you that it is, that there are, there, it is, it is far more well attested than any other ancient document we have. Let me just give you some examples and we'll start off slow and then we'll work our way up. The first is Plato. You guys heard of him, right? Plato, he wrote a few things, right? Started, he was a good philosopher, right? I mean, people based entire, entire civilizations based on like, like how he thought and, and like, all right, Plato, good dude. All right. From the time that he lived and wrote down what he wrote, to our earliest copy that we have, 1,300 years of a gap, 1,300. That's, by the way, that's a few years, right? Over, over a thousand years between the two. And how many copies do we have? How accurate do we know, do we have about Plato? We have seven total copies. Awesome, that's a lot, seven. The earliest is 1,300 years, that's the gap, okay. How sure, no one ever questions Plato though. No one questions, did he really say this or did someone write this later? We just take it as, oh, this is what happened. It's fact. Let's work our way up. Caesar, you guys know him in Gallic Wars. We have, this is better. We have 10 copies of his and his is only a thousand years. Thousand years between when he was around to when the earliest copy that we have. And, and we don't question that. We don't question what, what happened in Caesar's life or what, what was written down at all. We just accept it as, hey, this is just how it works with ancient documents. You, you don't have many and there's, you don't have them close to the source. Easily the second most, like in, in second place is, um, is the Iliad by Homer. And, and, and this is uh, so much better than the others. There's only 500 years between when he wrote it and then our earliest copies. And we don't have seven or 10, we have 643. That is a lot. All right, we've got a lot of evidence. All right, if we're gonna, if we're gonna compare these three, clearly the Iliad is, is far more, uh, we have far, there's a far, far more data for that than the other two. All right, now, the New Testament, you ready for this? This is crazy. It just doesn't even make sense, you guys. It's not even fair, honestly. The New Testament was written by numerous authors, not by one person. The time gap is not a thousand years or 1300 or 500. It's 50 to 150 years. And, and the copies that we have are not like, oh, we have, you know, six, 700, 5,366. And this number has actually gone up since, like, since they did all of this because like we find more. Okay, you look at that and you say, all right, I trust Plato and Caesar and Homer, but the New Testament, nah, I just don't know how accurate it is. I just don't know if I can trust it. What? I mean, it's overwhelming. Now here's the deal, it's, we're not even done. If you add all of the copies of this, so those are just the manuscripts and the stuff that we have and, 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 uh, and, and some of the like earliest writings. When you add like the full writings and, and the copies of all the copies and you're like, all right, give me all the stuff. Give me all the documents we have about the New Testament, just the New Testament. We have 24,000 of them. What? To say that, that, the, that the New Testament, um, it's just, it just doesn't have a lot of sources. We just don't know we just don't know what they wrote is absurd. It's absurd at its face to even think that somehow it's not trustworthy. The New Testament is easily the most well-attested document in ancient history. And it doesn't matter who you talk to in the field, they all concede, yes, yes, okay, there's a lot of documents. That's not where they attack. It isn't the amount of documents. It's, it's yeah, but we just don't, we don't like what they say. We don't know if what they say is accurate. And then what happens is um, a number of years ago, there's a big discovery in the Dead Sea. You remember this? The Dead Sea Scrolls. It was the greatest archaeological find really in history, specifically with regard to the scriptures, but also just in general. 
with any sort of document. And, and what happened was they found these documents and, um, and uh, you know, the, we have later documents where we're like, okay, we got hundreds of years. These are hundreds of years after the fact. And then we discover this, like, honestly, this treasure trove of these Dead Sea Scrolls that are, that are now, I mean, within, within a generation, within decades of the originals. Like we, we have this time gap and now we have, we have, we have what, like what we have now. And now we just found all the stuff in the beginning. Like we got them. This is what they said. There were specials. Guys were coming to devote their lives to debunk the Bible. We're gonna finally show that what was actually written is not at all what we have now. All right, ready? Okay, we, we get them out. We find, we, we scan them. We do all, like, I mean, it's meticulous. You can go to these caves now. If you go to Israel, you can go visit. There's a museum there. It's, it's actually pretty impressive. I mean, it's, it's pretty dry. It's the Dead Sea. <laughs> and and, and it, which is why they survived. And, and, and they go, all right, let's look at, all right, we got, we got a, a bunch of different books here. We got Isaiah, we got, all right, let's John. All right, John, let's do John. All right, John chapter one. All right, the version we have says, in the beginning was a word and the word was with God and the word was God. We know that's not true. We know that they made that up, that Jesus was not God. Okay, what did the original say? Here we go, ready? I'm so excited. In the beginning was the word and was with God. What was God? okay. Verse one, we're off to a bad start. Okay, what a, so far they're identical. And they go through and they realize this, this, isn't, this isn't debunk the Bible at all. I think we just strengthened its case. I think we just proved yet again, it is actually trustworthy. Like the ones that we have and then the older ones, like they match perfectly. Okay, shoot, this wasn't what we thought it would be because the Bible is easily the most well-attested document in, ancient, in, in the ancient times of in antiquity. So here's the third one. All right, fine. I'll give you all that. All right, whatever. Here's the deal. What the Bible teaches is just, is just backwards and outdated. Listen, I, I get it. All right, fine. There's a lot of documents. Fine. The, maybe they didn't make it up. All right. But what it talks about just simply doesn't apply today. I mean, it's 2,000 years ago. The culture back then, the first century culture was barbaric. It was backwards. Um, uh, it was oppressive. Uh, it, um, the, the Bible talks about, about um, it approved slavery and, and oppressing women. That's the book? That's the book you want to follow? What? Why would, I, why would I ever devote any time to a book that's pro-slavery and anti-women? Maybe you've heard that before. I've, I've talked to a number of people who that's literally the, like the first thing they go to. The problem, the problem is this. The Bible often does not teach what at first glance it looks like it teaches. So here's what it says. The Bible, though they say, we'll see, uh, it seems to support slavery. What really is going on is, and, and honestly, any, any, like, any decent commentary will clarify all of these issues up if you just care to read. The Bible simply mentions slavery. It's not pro-slavery. It doesn't say, go take slaves for yourself. This is the way of the Lord. It just mentions, hey, in this first century, we all know this. One out of four Romans in, in the Roman empire, one out of four are slaves. Slavery is the, like the culture we live in. Okay, here's what Christianity looks like in the midst of slavery. Here's what it looks like to be a Christian and a slave or a Christian and, and a slave owner. Here's what it should look like. And because it mentions slavery, people say, see, see, it's talking about slavery. How, how could they? Then you realize, wait, but wasn't it Christians who fought to abolish like our version of slavery? Well, well sure. Okay, weren't they, weren't they quoting the scripture 
to talk about how, how all men are created equal and like slavery is evil? Well, well sure. So, so, so you have a problem here. You're saying the Bible is pro-slavery, but then the guys who ended slavery used the Bible to end it. The problem is we, uh, like a lot of people will just pick an issue, a really controversial issue and say, see, see, without actually doing any sort of like actual investigation to say, what is it really saying? They'll say it's oppressive of women. And this drives me nuts because I, like, like, I mean, we just saw like, like the Lord chose ladies to be the first ones to see him. Like women were a part of the, from the mission from the beginning. And as a Jewish rabbi, you didn't do that. You didn't have ladies following you. But Jesus is like, no, of course, of course. What are you talking about? Of course women are a part of this and need to be a part of it, have a vital role. Like, of course they should be a part of this. But people will say, well, because it talks about women in a certain way that to see it, it, it it's, it's anti-woman and, and it drives me nuts and I have to like reserve and hold myself back a little bit because it's such a, it's such a childish view of the, of the understanding of the roles of men and women that, that it's just sort of like a, like a, uh, it's a cheap shot to take. And you say, well, see, because it says this one thing, therefore, I can't read any of it. Two things to respond. First, the hard to swallow passages are always minor themes, not major ones. Tim Keller in this book, he, he has a, a great uh, uh, illustration. He talks about diving into the shallow end of a pool where all the controversies lie. Instead, he says that if you do that, if you dive into the controversies, you're gonna get bumped and bruised and scraped up. Instead, dive into the deep end where everyone, where there's agreement in Christianity and that is all about this guy named Jesus. Listen, Let's investigate Jesus and then, and then we swim our way to the shallow end and navigate through the harder to understand passages. But don't start with those because you will bump and bruise. But instead, let's talk about Jesus. Let's understand who Je if Jesus is who he says he is and he meant what he said he meant, then, then we got to work our way through this. The second thing we could say is this, does not liking something in the Bible mean that Jesus didn't rise from the dead? Because you don't like a passage or a certainly pos certain position of the Bible or you feel like it just, it's, uh, it's too convicting for you or you don't like what it says, does that mean Jesus didn't rise from the dead because you didn't like it? Well, no. Well, no, of course. So listen, let's talk about, is Jesus who he says he was? If he is, then, then we owe it to ourselves to, to figure out the rest of the Bible. But, but like, we don't just throw the whole thing away because we don't like one part of it. In fact, it should probably cause us to investigate even more if we have issues. We can pick and choose what we like in the Bible, but now, now this is no longer the word of God. It's just, it's, it's, not what God, it's not what God wanted to say to us. It's what we wanted God to say to us. And we start blacking out certain passages, take, ripping out some. Now he didn't, Jesus didn't do this. He didn't do that. Oh man, that's not the gospel at all. So here's where we land. You got a choice. And you don't have to choose it right now. But, but you can you take one of two positions. Either this is a book of, of, of ideas written down about God written by people. These are just people's views about God and they wrote them down. And you have to look over all of this, this overwhelming evidence of the reliability, the historicity of the scriptures and just say, like, no, no, these are just what people wrote down. It's been corrupted and there's errors, even though it's, it's like, it's really hard to prove that because like it's, it's, it, it's so consistent. All right, 
I'll throw that out. Listen, I don't like what it says. Or this actually, this, this, what, what I'm holding, what you have, this actually is the word of God. Not written down for us, but given down to us. And that this, this really is active and alive and can change us. This, this book can transform you. And it has millions, billions of people. And there's no one, there's no one so far gone that this, that this can't affect them. Oof. If it's true, this really is the word of God. This is not just a book. This isn't just ink on a page. And that, that might possibly explain why it's still 2,000 years later, the most important book we have. 